0: Solemnly swear that I am up to no good. Messrs. Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs are proud to present the Marauder's map. If so you succeed tonight, more than one innocent life may be spared. <laughs> Expecto Patronum! Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. Uh, we're going over chapter 14 Snape's Grudge. Jen is back.
1: Hello, everyone,
0: and um, it's just a super interesting title. I don't know that we really get into a specific grudge that he has, it seems just a general dislike.
1: I think it's just to set the mood that he's not going to be happy, this he's chapter. disgruntled.
0: Yes, yes, um. <laughs> I just wanted to point out, before we get into this chapter, and there's a lot in this chapter to get into, but we start off with the brilliant image of Flitwick teaching the doors (laughs) to recognize a picture. I love it. Can we just sit on that for a second? Flitwick is teaching doors (laughs) to recognize. The brilliance across the board is just phenomenal. Uh, Don't sleep on Flitwick, he's awesome.
1: It's one of those things where you read it and you're just like, no, that makes sense. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I read it, and I was like, that is the best thing I think I've ever read. Yep. That's great. And Yeah, it's just another day at Hogwarts. Yeah, just but... another day. Uh, anyway, um, so in the last chapter, we mentioned that uh, Sir Cadogan was not long for his job, and he wasn't. He was fired immediately, <laughs> and they brought in uh, the fat ladies back, um, but with conditions. Uh, she was immaculately restored, which I'm assuming was done by Felch. Oh. Um, interesting question yeah I'm assuming it was done by Filch and I'm like I don't know we've talked about it before like do they just like roll up (laughs) like fix the gashes or like how do they do it I don't know is
1: Filch like painting her together
0: maybe I don't know I would assume they use special paint to make them move right I don't know yeah I don't know but she's also guarded by security trolls yes which is just an interesting concept they're not the brightest no they're not the fastest
1: it's, they are mean.
0: I'll give them that.
1: I say, it's mainly for intimidation. Probably. since um, she really, she sneaks in a, a little thing that's not very child-friendly when she says that the guard trolls are comparing the size of their clubs.
0: They like to beat people over the head with clubs. They do. That is their favorite pastime.
1: Also going into the intimidation... fact. Also, unpopular opinion, I feel bad for Cadigan being fired. Technically, he did his job. His job wasn't well-defined, but he did technically do his job. In a literal sense. In
0: the very most literal exact sense, yes. Yes. He also let a murderer into the common room. (laughs)
1: Minor details.
0: Minor details. Uh, He wants to fight everybody. He didn't want to fight him? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so Ron, uh, we learn, is more popular than Harry for the first time ever. Because everybody wants to hear of his heroic encounter with Sirius Black. um, Which he gives them in great detail. I'm surprised he didn't, like, write a little memoir right yeah. now and, and t- try to sell it, maybe for fundraising for the Quidditch team Same. like friend George. There you go. Um, it
1: all comes back together.
0: Yep. So he's, in, he's relishing this moment in, in the spotlight. Uh, whereas Neville is forced to the darkest corners of, of the world. He's forced to wait outside the portrait for someone to even let him in.
1: All my notes for this chapter just say poor Neville.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. I get it. But also, like, if you're McGonagall...
1: Yeah. Like,
0: come on. She
1: really goes harsh on him.
0: McGonagall is just harsh this entire... I have my issues with McGonagall, if you've listened to our episodes before. (laughs) My issues... All of my issues with McGonagall stem from this book. But anyway.
1: But, like, what if he has to go out at night? Like, is he not going to be able to get back into sleep? I mean, this just seems kind of cruel.
0: Yeah. It doesn't
1: seem like a fair punishment. It feels cruel.
0: You'd have to... Like, McGonagall should be like, if I'm going to make him not know the passwords, you have to have someone else... You have to put someone else there. Right. That's, like, another form of, like, cruelty to children. It's a little...
1: It's, it's borderline child abuse.
0: A little bit. Yeah. It's like, you can't force him to just sit out there all day Like, what if right. he was the last person in?
1: No, right. That's my point. Like, what if he... Or, like, what if he has to You're go just going to make him sit up?
0: I mean, he has... Mm-hmm when he's forgotten the passwords he's slept out there but it's that's not yeah. fair but that's his own yeah
1: fault not because someone someone's... forcing it upon right.
0: him yeah right um yeah poor Neville
1: so we don't really get Harry's perspective on this do we think Harry's at all excited that Ron is the popular one that everything is happening to I would imagine or...
0: he's a little relieved okay. that the attention's off of him for a little bit um uh, he's never been one to seek attention no it's just always been upon him so, yeah, he's probably enjoying a little vacation from <laughs> it, as brief as it probably is. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think he's happy for Ron to be like, yeah. Ron can enjoy this for a little while. That's fine. Let him, let him do his thing. Uh, the other thing I wanted to point out in this chapter is Hagrid is awesome. He is. Ron and Harry end up going to visit Hagrid because Hagrid wrote them a note like saying, hey, come down for... By the way, come down for tea at six o'clock.
1: That's so late to have tea. Oh,
0: come down for the afternoon. Six is not the afternoon anymore. That's early evening.
1: I hope it's non-caffeinated tea. (laughs)
0: Right? It's like... And I'm assuming we're still in early spring, late winter, so it's probably like getting dark already. That's a good point. And i mean hagrid obviously said he'll come and get them and escort them to right. and from which has to be done but anyway aside from just the technicality of <laughs> six o'clock tea uh which they end up staying there for like three hours right so it's yeah, like it was nine late. o'clock mm-hmm. that's crazy anyway the conversation is really good <laughs> is, is my point point. and uh essentially in the conversation hagrid says that her is lonely and really quite stressed about all of her classes Yes. And you guys really should try to reach out. She's coming down here all the time. Love talking with her, but you guys need to step up a little bit. And Ron starts in on scabbers, scabbers, scabbers. And Hagrid's like, so you're mad at a cat (laughs) for chasing a rat. You do realize that's kind of what they do. Like, it's a cat. (laughs) What do you want it to do? Right. Um... And then he brings out this killer mic drop line of like, well, you guys got to figure out what do you care about more, brooms and rats or a friendship? Like, what's more important to you? Uh, Which kind of stops Ron and Harry kind of in their tracks a little bit and he goes, oh.
1: Some solid life advice right there. It
0: really is. And, you know, Hagrid's dropping some some reality (laughs) bombs on them and just being like, guys, you're you're dropping the ball here
1: i also love the acknowledgement in that conversation where when ron is complaining about hermione being stupid about her cat and mm-hmm. haggard goes people can be stupid about their pets and then buckbeak throws up a bunch of bones on his pillow yep and it's like yeah like it it it's adds something to it that haggard is the one telling them
0: sure there's a lot of Get layers to that. It.
1: Yeah, because he's,
0: you know, Hermione's stupid big... about Kirk Shanks Ron is stupid about Scabbers, yeah. and Hagrid is stupid about Buckbeak and Norbert, right? <laughs> and like right. You know, is... And Aragog, and like, oh, yeah.
1: It's not even coming from someone who is really being a hypocrite about the topic. It's more looking at it from the perspective of he actually might know what he's talking about.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's a great conversation <laughs> that immediately gets ignored when <laughs> Ron goes back and uh, continues his aggression towards Hermione when she objects to Harry trying to sneak out and go to Hogsmeade again because they see a Hogsmeade poster. And Ron's like, oh, yeah, let's go. And Hermione's like, are you kidding me? Like, you almost just got murdered. Why are you trying to get Harry to go? Which is a valid criticism. And a lot of what Hermione is like, the, the broom issue with McGonagall and... A lot of this has just been like no this is pretty some common sense logic Mm -hmm. that hermione's not exactly wrong about no um this
1: is this is kind of where for me because in the last chapter when you know i think that chapter is the one right after crookshanks has eaten scabbers yes okay so like right after in the aftermath of that i think it's very easy to be to be sympathetic to both sides I could see Ron's, I could see Hermione's. This is the chapter where I go, okay, I'm I'm on Hermione's side now. Like, Ron is just being incredibly aggressive to Hermione, and it doesn't need to be. Like, you can be mad at someone and just not be a jerk to them.
0: True. I think the only thing from Ron's point of view that can be reasonable is he says, look, I'd be fine with Hermione if you just acted sorry. Not even said right. sorry. But right. just acted sorry. I
1: don't think Ron has to <clears throat> forgive Hermione. I think Ron should still be not nice to her but just not be a, openly a jerk to her. Like, he's very aggressive with her when he's upset with her. And I, I think that's a bit much.
0: they are 13-year-olds that can't see the value of picking your battles. Yeah. And putting aside some petty arguments for the larger picture which was what Hagrid was trying to like okay right. you guys disagree on this that's great is that worth a friendship? Right. No. It's not. No. Put it aside put it down reach out. Yeah. Um, and after that great speech by Hagrid Ron just completely ignores it. Yes. Uh, yeah. So
1: I also feel a little bit bad for Harry in this because this is the second time in three books that his that ron and hermione have been fighting
0: well ron in the first book is horrible to hermione yes just really bad yeah um so he's caught in the middle a lot yes which is unfortunate
1: i yeah i i I like that he eventually handles things
0: he tries to reach out to hermione yeah um and makes some strides yeah. Sometimes are better than others. Sometimes he says yeah. <laughs> the wrong thing and it backfires. But other times, you know, he's, he's trying. I give him credit for that. Yeah. Uh, again, wisdom of a 13-year-old, not exactly on point. So choosing his words is a little haphazard.
1: Right. But His you know. heart's in the right place.
0: Yeah, it's trying. It's, he's trying. At least he's making an effort. Uh, so, <laughs> long story short, he gets into Hogsmeade. He ends up sneaking out. <laughs> However, Julie will be very pleased, because Julie and I have a long-standing agreement that things that could save your life should never be left behind, like your wand. You shouldn't casually discard your wand, like when you're facing Tom Riddle in the Chamber of Secrets. (laughs) You shouldn't leave your invisibility cloak behind before you walk into the Forbidden Forest. Yes. Uh, Things you generally shouldn't do. Harry decides, "Yeah, I'll I'll go into Hogsmeade, but I'm gonna take the cloak with me. Thank you. Finally, yes, some wisdom. Yes, uh, so Julie He's will be happy. Thinking finally, for him. yes.
1: And then he immediately makes a really And then he makes a very decision. poor choice. Yeah.
0: Yes, he makes poor choices. Uh, so while using said cloak, um, Malfoy starts. Malfoy runs into him and and Ron outside of the Shrieking Shack and. Malfoy being Malfoy starts picking at Ron.
1: Yeah. Which Ron really needs... I am sympathetic towards Ron. I don't want someone insulting my family. But he really needs to get a thicker skin about this. He knows Malfoy's just doing it to bother him.
0: Uh, speaking as... A male who, at one time, way back when, was 13. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're not really thinking. That's fair. Uh, your... Your anger flies off the handle a little bit easier uh when you're 13 okay um and you can get into some some scrapes <laughs> it happens uh that's more of a he's a 13 year old boy mistake 30 or thick i think is what we went with 30 or thick okay 30 or thick i like it um but yes yeah I, ron eventually does need to get over that yeah. a little bit uh, not get over it, but, no, but just deal like with it better.
1: Recognize when it's serious or when it's just intended to upset you.
0: Right. Don't Wait, give him what he wants. He's really good about doing that when it's Harry.
1: Yes. Right. Harry,
0: he's just trying to pick at exactly. you. like you got. And then when it's him, it's it a complete flipped. other. Yeah, yeah. But. Not that anybody can relate to that. <laughs> when it's someone else, fine. When yeah. it's me, <laughs> however, no. So anyway, uh, Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle uh, start... Picking on Ron, so Harry decides, "Hey, I'm under the invisibility cloak. Why don't I just mess with them a little bit?" Which, here's the inherent risks. Obviously, we know what happens of the cloak slipping and Harry's head popping out. Yeah. To throw mud, is he picking up the mud with the cloak and like throwing (laughs) it, or does he like get his hand outside of the cloak and throw?
1: That's a really good question. Because
0: I'm reading this, I'm like, "How are you throwing in the cloak?"
1: Right. Like you've got to take the
0: arm out to really get a good throw. Huh. And yeah. then you're get, getting mud on the cloak. And I'm like, why are you, how do you clean this cloak? But Is there a dry cleaning for the cloak? But it <laughs> says like... later
1: on in the chapter that he's got mud on his hands. So I don't think he's picking it up with the cloak.
0: Right. So he's literally picking it up with his hands. He has to take it out of the cloak. So there's a disembodied arm.
1: Yeah, no one saw the hand with I mean, mud? I
0: get that he's like changing positions <laughs> and whatever. But it's like, come on, man. You're taking a lot of risks here.
1: Yeah. He also broke the cardinal rule of committing crimes, which is you don't commit more than one crime at a time. You're already outside of the school. You're already sneaking out. Don't do other, not illegal, but, you know. uh,
0: Nefarious deeds. Right,
1: right. Don't break more rules when you're already breaking a rule. Like, that's the cardinal rule of rule-breaking. He breaks that, he gets caught... There you
0: go. This has been Jen's free tips on how to commit a crime. (laughs) So enjoy those. Uh, Yeah, obviously it doesn't end well. Before we get to the the consequences of it, I just want to say they stop at the post office real quick (laughs) uh, before they meet up with Malfoy. Uh And they're looking at the 300 plus owls that they have in this post office, which must be a sight.
1: Oh, yeah. That would be cool.
0: And they have little tiny owls that fit in your hand that are for vocal deliveries only. They
1: sound so adorable.
0: I'm sure they are. I'm sure they're insanely cute as they rotate their head around. Um, (laughs) But they also say, like, Ron wants to get an owl to go from the UK to Bill in Egypt. (laughs) That poor owl. (laughs) Can you imagine how long it takes an owl to fly from the UK to Egypt?
1: Yeah, that's gotta hurt.
0: My goodness. Dude, why are you putting an owl through that? Eh, It must take take months, right?
1: that has gotta be a while.
0: Like, that's a long time. Yeah. I don't know what the average flight time of an owl is, but...
1: Well, now, in thinking about this, though, it can't be that long, because they send an owl to... It's Charlie Weasley, who's in Egypt, right?
0: Uh, No, Charlie would be in, like, Romania.
1: Oh, right. That's what I'm thinking.
0: Which is still a long way from the UK.
1: I'm thinking of when they sent it with Norbert and they got a response fairly quickly.
0: Correct. Still a long way away. You're correct. Yeah. That's still...
1: Still a... That's still a good trick. Yeah. For an owl. That's fair.
0: It just caught me and I'm like, dude, those owls must have some type of magic put on them to be able to make that flight, but... Zoom
1: in, owls. Whew.
0: Anyway. All right. So, getting back to... (laughs) uh harry and malfoy obviously ron goes like dude he's gonna go straight to snave you gotta go yeah. so harry sprints off drops the cloak in a like shadowy corner of the the passageway and
1: i cringe every time i read that
0: yeah it's yeah uh...
1: i know that it's for i know it's a smart move I suppose, in case he gets searched. He doesn't want to have it on him. But, like, that's your father's cloak, and it's an invaluable cloak, and you're just tossing it in the corner yeah. somewhere. It just makes me nervous.
0: Uh, I agree wholeheartedly with that. I'm always like, uh. Long story short, again, uh, Snape ends up catching Harry, bringing him down to the office, and Harry is trying his best not to give any tells to snape as snape pesters him with questions all of which valid and good questions that <laughs> harry struggles to answer without really giving himself away
1: the the one thing i like about how so now we get to the eponymous grudge right yes so this chapter. Yeah. but mm-hmm. one of the things that i really liked about the description of it was they mentioned that he felt like snape's eyes were boring a hole into him yes and he also mentions that with dumbledore
0: he's mentioned that a couple of times about snape too like yeah. snape would look at him and he's just like looking through him almost yeah, yeah. So it's a
1: very intense it's an interrogation intense
0: yes after all of the uh, harry keeps dodging facts and keeps skirting with vague details and what have you and snape's getting angry so snape starts taunting him about his father oh your father was arrogant too He had a couple of decent skills at Quidditch and he thought he can rule the school with them and blah, 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 blah. And he's just picking at him, Which Harry gets understandably upset at because now I feel like you've gone from interrogation to now you're just being disrespectful towards family and stuff like that. That's a different line of questioning at that point.
1: About dead family.
0: That too. So Harry ends up as A telling him to shut up, which (laughs) Snape does not take very well. No. Uh, Try telling a teacher to shut up. It doesn't ever go well. At least
1: he didn't blow him up like he blew up Aunt Marge.
0: True. That would be a sight. (laughs) Like just a giant Snape floating
1: (laughs) floating around the classroom.
0: Um, So Harry ends up revealing that he knows a little bit of the history between James and Snape and that James saved his life at one point. Snape Then rattles off the idea that, uh, well, details might be too unpleasant for you, which is something that we can get back to in the spoiler section. Yes. But uh, it was an interesting quote nonetheless. Yes. And Snape then informs Harry of the larger context of that situation. And it's like, yeah, James might have technically saved me. But there's a whole bunch of shady stuff going on that he was a part of that led to that situation even happening in the first place. Yeah. Which he didn't stop until the very last moment. Clearly, there's some unresolved issues with Snape and James, obviously. Just a couple. Yeah. Uh, We have talked about it in previous spoiler sections, so if you want to listen to those. (laughs) um, Anna and I have talked about it. Julie and I have talked about it. We've talked about it at length. But it's interesting now that you have Harry and Snape kind of sitting there going back and forth with it. Yeah. Uh, not really healthy for any of the above?
1: No, not at all. This is probably the least healthy interaction I've ever heard described between a student and a teacher.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Snape starts looking at what Harry actually had on him. And we he finds the parchment. Which is blank at this point in time. Snape tries every little trick, for lack of a better <laughs> word, trick to get something out of the parchment. Yep. And eventually the Marauder's Map comes to life, and each one of the Marauders insults them in a different way.
1: So well done.
0: It's very well done. Uh, and I, yeah, well, I could talk more about that in I also, too. I
1: just, I also like the implication that the parchment, like, is clearly aware of what's going on.
0: It does seem to have a sentient nature about it.
1: It does, because it makes reference to the fact that he Snape is a professor, and it clearly seems to know Snape because yes. it, it even says it's that someone like you became a professor. So there's some implication that we've the talked a little bit about knows... like
0: how did Fred and George unlock this thing?
1: Right, I and often I th- wondered. Maybe that the map kind of helps
0: recognize them and was like, you might like us, right? Like
1: it seems we're fitting. like-minded, right?
0: Here, anyway. <laughs> Snape gets upset at the, (laughs) another insult that was thrown at him. Um, Rightfully so. Yeah, so he throws powder into the fireplace and it's like, Lupin, I I need you, or something like that. And then Lupin comes through the flu powder thing, pops into Snape's office like you called.
1: So nonchalant. Like, I love how calm Lupin just always seems to be. Very calm, very collected, very just like, you know, gonna dust some ash off my shoulder what's yep. up you know
0: just a like yeah you, you wanted me you, you called for me what's up what's up dude uh lupin uh you know snape obviously says this is a dark magic thing and lupin looks at it and he's like uh childish maybe not exactly <laughs> dark yeah um probably just something that he bought at a joke shop yeah. lupin miraculously gets him out of snape's office
1: yes and Ron, Ron shows up. Uh, Ron does show up. like
0: verifies his story, and Lupin yeah. very quickly is like, "See, out, get yep. out, yep. <laughs> get out!" Now. Very
1: fast acting by Lupin.
0: Oh, uh, it's very quick thinking by Lupin. And but once they get back to about the Great Hall, well away from Snape's ears, uh, Lupin really scolds Harry. I love that in a very uh, deep emotional way. And I'm going to paraphrase it here, but it's essentially like, how? why are you sneaking out of the castle when you know there's a murderer after you? Mm -hmm. You're throwing away the sacrifices that your parents made to save you. Yep. You're hearing their sacrifices when a Dementor comes. How can you so flippantly throw this away?
1: Yeah.
0: And it's, again, you've had, literally the last two chapters, you had Hagrid... And you've had Lupin now talk to Harry and Ron and just be like, What are you doing? (laughs) Like
1: I mean Hermione has jumped in.
0: Yeah, yeah, and we've and we've talked about that. It's like it's the difference between like a peer telling you something and like someone that you respect that's above you.
1: I don't think Harry has a real clear cut concept of like parental figures or father figures but Mm -hmm. he and lupin have bonded in a in a very unique way for
0: unique quick
1: very quick and deep way so when lupin says this and lupin's also very calm about it like he's not angry and yelling like snape um you know he's not you know hysterical maybe like hermione like there's there's no emotion to it yeah because it's just like this deep-seated disappointment which is infinitely like disappointing someone that you respect and you want to make proud is infinitely more sure.
0: They they say that about Dumbledore all the time.
1: Yeah. No right, it's it's exactly the same thing. It's
0: And it's made worse by the fact that Harry knows Lupin knew his parents. Yep. And it's that much disappointment like you're throwing away the, the gift that they gave you. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. It's disrespectful to them. It's disrespectful to anyone who actually cares about you like what are you doing?
1: It's not something that Harry can write off. No. You know, you he, he can write off if Snape is yelling at him because he knows Snape has it out for him. You know, he can write off Hermione because he knows Hermione's a worrywart. He can't write off Lupin.
0: It would tick me off if I was Hermione, though. I'm like, I'm oh, telling you this constantly. And huh? you, it takes someone else to tell you this to have it really saying, I would be ticked.
1: Yeah. Oh, rightfully so.
0: <laughs> like, I've been telling you this all year.
1: Listen to me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um... But no, some real reality checks from Hagrid and Lupin to, you know, parental figures in his life, and it's just like, come on, man.
1: Yeah. Be He's, better. He does. He does. He needs to wake up. He and Ron need to wake up.
0: Uh. So yeah, so, yeah I just I loved that interaction with Lupin. I've said this on so many podcasts now, but this <laughs> Lupin, just the essence of Lupin. Lupin
1: is great. great. Lupin is one of my favorites.
0: Anyway, speaking of Hermione, um, after Lupin scolds them, Ron and Harry, the first person they see is Hermione.
1: And again, Ron is just needlessly aggressive. Just out for blood against Hermione. Immediately starts attacking her. She hasn't even said a word, and he's immediately trying to, like, cut her down.
0: It's incredibly unfair. Yeah. 100%. It's just incredibly unfair. And she's teary yeah so you're also just not recognizing the situation the first thing you jump to is an attacking
1: harry assumes that she's upset because she's just heard about him and ron getting into trouble
0: yes which is naive but still yes. better. better right. <laughs> still better right <laughs> so yeah uh but after ron attacks uh hermione hermione just says no we just got news on Buckbeak Yeah, uh, he's been sentenced to death
1: and that's why I'm also just we I, I can talk about Buckbeak in a second but one of the reasons I'm also just sympathetic is to Hermione is she gets this really devastating news that Buckbeak is going to be sentenced to death or is sentenced to death and she's fighting with Ron and Harry. but the first thing that she does is seek them out to try to tell them this because yes. she knows that they care about it yes so it's like she's handling this fight I think in a
0: much more mature much, way much
1: much more mature way than Ron is where he's just being very aggressive
0: 100 percent. Which also goes to the nature of again not making excuses for Ron, but generally women at that age tend right. to be a little bit more mature yeah. in a bunch of different ways. So it's just like yeah, it, it tracks. Yeah. Well, we uh, we, see,
1: we see a lot of the emotional differences between boys and girls at that age in the next book, and that lines up with it yeah. pretty well. So yeah. This so is just it, a little it all tracks in like yeah. what
0: a this is, a very realistic snapshot of what this friendship might look like in reality unfortunately
1: (laughs) poor Buffy.
0: yeah um as much work as hermione did which we haven't even talked about that like amongst all of the other work that she's had which we've had detailed she still found time to present an actual case for hagrid yeah which is remarkable yeah i mean just the friendship and the 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 care that she took to even put in that much effort is tremendous.
1: I think it's really sweet because we get to see that Hermione and Hagrid have a relationship that is outside of Harry, you know? Yeah. In all the other books we've seen them go, the three of them to the hut, you know, Hagrid and Harry have that bond where, you know, Hagrid was the one to put him on river drive and then also pick him up, you know, so like they go a lot deeper. Right. Hermione and Ron, not so much. It's kind of sweet to see that Hermione and Hagrid do have this friendship that doesn't involve Harry.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. Um, on a positive note, we'll close it for the non-spoiler. <laughs> and uh, we'll go with a aggressive Hermione uh, break noise. <laughs> and we'll get back with spoilers. So thanks for listening and stick with us for the spoilers. You! You foul load of them evil little cockroach! All right, so we're back with the spoiler section for chapter 14 and i just kind of want to double back a little bit about that snape harry interaction and when snape said uh you know the details were too unpleasant for harry's ears which that i don't know if it's intended to be this way Mm -hmm. but i feel like that's almost a shot at dumbledore really passively in that obviously Snape knows a little bit more about Harry's situation than Harry does. Um, and I would assume he then knows that Dumbledore has told him some stuff, has right. not told him a whole lot of other stuff yeah. that might be too unpleasant for Harry to hear. So he's like, yeah, no, that's too unpleasant for you, huh? I, you know, I guess he chose not to tell you that too. I see. <laughs> okay. And it's like a, just a little, like, passive needling that so, yeah. Harry doesn't even know about.
1: I didn't, so I think it's interesting that you bring that up because I can definitely see why that would be Snape's taking a shot at Dumbledore. I thought he was kind of goading Harry a bit.
0: It's probably a little bit both.
1: Yeah. Like not, <laughs> and, and I don't mean in a way of, you know, kind of like knocking him down, but I think Snape knows to some degree that that's going to bother Harry because Harry really wants to know what's going on. And that seems to be fairly consistent throughout the books, is no one really wants to tell Harry all of what's going right. on much to harry's chagrin
0: like sheltered put on like a shelf almost of like no right. one can harm this child
1: right and it it only gets worse as the books go on but i feel like snape is kind of doing that to like sort of torment tor- torment harry in that way too where it's you don't know what your parents were like you don't know what happened you don't know what james did
0: and it's a lot of what we talked about earlier of just like a lot of one-sided views a lot of yeah you know biased information that we're getting from certain people and you know you and i look at the same situation we could interpret it differently yeah shoot that's what we're doing on this podcast <laughs> it's like all of the different guests that i've had have had different takes well we've all read the same book yeah so it's like it's interesting yeah um everybody has a different view of how a situation went
1: this is actually one of the reasons why I like Lupin in this chapter a lot. Because um, I feel like Lupin is very cool headed for, for most of it um, and tries to be calm and collected. But I feel like Lupin is really the only Marauder that tries to let go of the past.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, he's nothing but polite to Snape in all of these interactions. He's expressed remorse on occasion for how, for for not even the things that, like he was never outrightly rude. He was
0: never the primary. Right. He was like a tertiary.
1: But he's even admitted that he feels bad that he didn't stop James and Sirius from,
0: which is a flaw. And one hundred percent.
1: Um, but it's interesting that he's he's acknowledging that he's trying to move past that. He's trying to be friendly to Snape and Snape does kind of rebuff him it feels like snape really only is cordial to him on occasion because he's doing so because they're both professors at hogwarts but snape can be pretty vindictive towards him and and he wasn't even the most egregious towards snape
0: snape and lupin's relationship is so interesting in this book Mm -hmm. because it's like there's all that history there yeah and as professional and as mature as lupin is handling it yeah snape is taking shots at him obviously he's trying to undercut him and undermine him constantly yeah but at the same time he's also making the potion for him which is a very difficult thing to do not many people would be able to do it so and snape for the most part speaks to lupin as a peer i think he does see him as a peer maybe more than if sirius or james were in that position right because i think he respects that lupin is smart he knows that lupin's smart yeah It's not that. And he knows that he's a gifted wizard in that respect. But in every other respect, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it it is a very interesting dynamic because I feel like he really is the only one that tries to... Recognizes that he did poorly and tries to improve. And there's not a lot of recognition coming from Pettigrew, Sirius, or Snape. Pettigrew, it's
0: all fear. Because, I mean, he's literally, like, running for his life for the most part of it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Pettigrew's redemption is... So, so, so small.
0: Yeah. It's not even a full redemption. Uh, not completely, no.
1: It's a moment of hesitation, really. And.
0: And Voldy being very particular right. in how he deals with hesitation.
1: Exactly. Which so there's no. goes world... back to
0: why he got Pettigrew in the first place. It's, right. it's a lot of fear and a lot of intimidation. But.
1: Yeah. Lupin, and then, yeah. Lupin just seems like the only one who's, who's yeah, actively I, that's, trying that's to. That's be... a good
0: take. Yeah. Uh, no, that's a pretty accurate take. No, I can get behind that um speaking of lupin and the marauders yes uh there's something that he comments on about the map saying like when he gets into his um harry you're throwing away your parents sacrifice speech lupin goes these men would probably find it funny or entertaining i think is the word he uses. they would probably find it entertaining that you were put in peril like, that you were put in a compromising situation, they'd probably find it entertaining. Spoiler alert, he's yeah. one of them. Right. And he knows the other three pretty well. Yeah. So, um, it gives a insight that, to that map of, and to them as people being like, we weren't saints. We had a little bit of a mischievous streak that could put others in danger yeah. and we wouldn't really think twice of it we'd find it funny
1: so i didn't read it as much of the emphasis on the like dangerous or perilous situations i read it more like they would find it really funny that harry was doing mischievous things that james had done
0: i read it as i mean you literally just had a conversation of them putting Snape in a dangerous situation and getting out of it. Right. And Harry's using this to put himself on Front Street to potentially have a murderer, like, take care of him. Right. It's a very similar, like, you're putting yourself in a very dangerous position. Yeah. And the word that Lupin uses, entertaining, is just very, whoa, kind of comment to me. It
1: is, it's very not consistent with the... it it contrasts very nicely but like the danger of the situation like they do find it amusing but these are all also the people who befriended a werewolf hung out with them once a month so like they didn't maybe think that much of dangerous situations
0: yes because they were all talented individuals right so they can get themselves out of trouble they're all smart they're all quick witted uh i'm including Pettigrew in that not to the extent the other three are right but I think people undercut Pettigrew's actual talent and ability more than they should.
1: He learned how to be an anime yes. He did.
0: Yeah. He learned that, and he actually did the spell that Sirius was accused for, right. which is not Those a small are... feat. Right. Uh, which we talked about. Anna and I talked a little bit about that. It was like, people sleep on Pettigrew, which yeah. is the whole thing, and that's probably why Voldy was like, people sleep on you. I don't sleep on you. Come, you know, whatever. Yep. Um, but I just found it... Well, even, like, I wonder... When the insults come at Snape. Yeah. Is that, like, literally each individual one is like, let's throw an insult at them, and, like, their brain or their magic or literally their quill is the one, like, writing these insults? Or is it just, like, Lupin or Sirius or James with their quick wit just writing all of them? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is it, like, a flavor of each one? Or is it, like, one just writing the blanket, like...
1: I always imagined it was a flavor of each one.
0: I hope that that's the case. I want that to be the case. Yeah.
1: I always, for some reason, assumed that they were each...
0: Because that would also give Pettigrew the same type of, like, sense of humor a little bit and the yeah. same kind of wit that matches the others a little bit.
1: Which also you kind of then understand why the four of them were
0: friends. Yes. Yeah. It it flows better. I hope that that's the case. Yeah. That's, that's how
1: I interpreted
0: it. That's the, gonna it be... Each their own. We've decided that is our headcanon. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, so there's a couple of interesting things from, you know, the Snape interaction and, and the Lupin interaction, which, you know, we talked forever about Lupin and Harry and Snape. I do love Lupin. I love Lupin so much. Uh, but did you have any other kind of thoughts on anything else?
1: So one thing I forgot to mention, um, in the last chapter that we did mm, together okay. that I did want to comment on because I, I want to throw my hat into the ring on this.
0: Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> uh,
1: I have opinions on Hermione and Chalani and McGonagall.
0: Oh boy. Okay, here we go.
1: Alright, so uh I listened to you and Elizabeth break it down mm-hmm. in chapter six. Um and, and talking about that was the Tea Leaves chapter. My
0: little yes. My little uh whatever it was, five minute rant on yes. Trelawney. Yeah.
1: Yes. So um I maybe not surprisingly to you, I, I sighed a little bit more elizabeth what uh, i know no one see they're that great
0: queen. friends for those that aren't aware <laughs>
1: yeah yeah uh n- known her for just a bit i agree that i think it's less about her ability and more about the fact that she's just kind of a drama queen
0: oh she's uh, yeah i mean there's no doubt that she's a drama queen right for sure yeah and
1: i think that that's what rubs people the wrong way. But the the thing that I noticed, because, you know, you're talking about Hermione being maybe a bit closed-minded, and I, I want to address McGonagall in a second. Separately. Yeah. Uh, I want to just do Hermione right away. And, and you guys were talking about the, you know, the, Hermione is not showing Trelawney any respect. Sure. And it's it's very out of line for Hermione. She's usually very respectful for teachers. Um, 100%, if that were the case, she... He has to be taken to the side and told you can't do that that's not she's you know trelawney is your elder you should be more respectful i think that's
0: what trelawney should have done too is just yeah. take her mind to the side and be like hey look
1: yeah
0: i get that you don't like this subject yeah just drop it yeah like let's move on yeah i can't teach you you can't learn from me let's separate here <laughs> Um, it would be I, the responsible thing to do.
1: And I know you took exception with that because you felt like they were kind of attacking her, Trelawney, a bit. Uh,
0: the fandom as a whole, I think, doesn't really treat Trelawney as respect. positively as... I think it's a little undeserved.
1: Okay. So the, what I wanted to throw in here for this, with specific respect to Hermione, is that I thought it was interesting. We're coming off of... Chamber of Secrets, where Lockhart, the total fraud, Mm -hmm. is teaching. And Hermione falls for it, hook, line, and sinker. Oh,
0: I love where you're going with this.
1: And then finds out at the end she was wrong. Now it's this new year at Hogwarts. It's a new subject. It's a new teacher. And the teacher is kind of questionable. She's missed a couple predictions. Or made very broad predictions that people... Vague predictions, yeah. Right. Um, I think Hermione... I think part of what is driving Hermione in this is that she is very aware of her failure to pinpoint Blackheart. And she is overdoing it with Trelawney.
0: Interesting. That's an interesting take. Okay. Yeah. I was getting ready to ask you this question, and then you kind of beat me to it, of... <laughs> um, so Trelawney, I mm-hmm. will never say that she is a great professor. Mm-hmm. My whole thing is that she just doesn't get enough credit where credit's due. She always gets, like, taken down a lot. Yeah. Undeservedly. So where would you put her on the uh, roll call of teachers? I think we're in the spoiler section, so... Yeah. I think universally everybody has Umbridge dead last.
1: Oh god. For I hope obvious so. reasons. I hope.
0: So that one aside. Yeah, right. <laughs> um now you're talking you brought up Lockhart. Yep. And Lockhart knew one spell really well. <laughs> Other than that, didn't know his subject very well. No. Was a did not know how to teach it. Yeah. W- are we putting Trelawney? Snape maliciously goes after some students.
1: Yeah, you know, I have a hard time putting Trelawney. I think Trelawney's probably middle of my list. Okay. Um, Lockhart, Umbridge, the Carrows, Bin. Ah, uh, well, yeah, okay. Bin, um, Snape, Quirrell. Eh, I don't know where I'd put Quirrell.
0: Quirrell's hard because we don't Quirrell's really see piece. him as a teacher yeah. very often. Yeah.
1: Uh, who else are we missing?
0: Uh, there's Crouch as Moody.
1: Oh God, yeah. He taught. He
0: taught, um, he taught I mean, them he things.
1: Well, that one's a little bit harder. But so I mean, she's definitely above all of those. And then I'd have to think a lot harder where to put her. Um,
0: I I would probably I'd agree with you. I'd go bottom of the middle tier. Yeah. Like, towards the bottom of that middle tier.
1: I would say that's fair. But
0: I don't think she's... She at least knows her subject very, very well. She's yeah. an expert in her subject, which Lockhart can't say.
1: Yeah. This book... I don't want to say... It definitely sets you up to think that she's terrible at it, but the more that you get on in the series, she... she uh, uh, it makes More it often than
0: not, she's actually right about right. that. Whether she recognizes that she's actually right... Well, and... But that's the nature of the whole thing, which you can't blame her for.
1: To Elizabeth's point, she's better when she's not trying. I think that's i that, too. I think that's also a little bit what is frustrating about the whole very dramatic thing because I think that's a very alienating way to act all the time. Um, and that's where she tends to make bad predictions. But she's hamming it up in her classroom and she tells Harry, you were born in the winter. And he's like, no, I was born in July. Like, sh- she's kind of trying to be something that she's not when she's doing it, but when she's just kind of minding her own business or when, you know, getting whatever that was. Not possessed, but, like, you know.
0: I agree. She's probably better when she's not trying. I feel like when she tries, she branches into other forms of like, targeted guessing. Yeah. Which is a skill, not necessarily like a...
1: That's kind of what she does with Lavender's rabbit.
0: Lavender, Neville, yeah, like, other things like that. Those quick spot predictions or whatever right. you want to call them are more like targeted guesses than whatever. Yeah.
1: Um, and is very smart. She picks up on that. She doesn't feel very comfortable with that style of guessing but I think that she's very instead of being willing to listen to her I think she just
0: Friends gets a better rap but he teaches a different form of divination that's yeah. mostly star-related,
1: right? Right. They're which not equivalent. Is
0: more quote-unquote logic-based because you can see stars and you can see the move. You can see that Mars is red. You know, yeah. you can kind of see those things. Yeah. Uh, whereas crystal ball reading is just that's hard. You either can do that or you can't. Yeah. So.
1: Um, so but, that was that was my take on Hermione. Was I thought maybe this is just like a that's a, a good take. A, I I hadn't projection. thought about that
0: before. That's good.
1: Um, and then my point. That I wanted to make with McGonagall is probably less interesting than that. Um, she is, this book does not portray McGonagall very well.
0: It's probably the worst portrayal of her in the series. I can't, yeah. I, I'm just reading it and I'm just like, wow, really, Minerva? Wow, okay. Yeah,
1: like she's very, she's a bit catty.
0: Oh my god, you went there. You I really went there. went there. I went there. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um,
1: you know, but it also, I was thinking back a little bit when I read it, um, when I was listening to this, and then I was thinking about high school, and, I mean, I can, I can remember some of my high school teachers sometimes saying things that they maybe shouldn't have said just because personalities might not have lined up sure. 100%. But the thing that sticks out to me in this, and, you know, why we say this for the spoiler section, she is ends up standing up for Trelawney in a big, big way in book five
0: that she does
1: so i don't Um, think that she likes trelawney i don't like in a personality wise but i don't think that she
0: they have very conflicting styles yes uh about how to go about teaching their classes yes um yeah in in book five i mean it's uh, umbridge umbridge just
1: is the great uniter
0: yes in a yes in a very roundabout torturous kind of way yeah um
1: (laughs) but i don't but i don't think McGonagall would have stuck her neck out for Trelawney if there wasn't some level of professional respect going on i think maybe they just did not have personalities that meshed all together and she said some things that maybe she shouldn't have but also i've had teachers who've done that too and i I, think it makes them bad teachers i just think it's humanity
0: i think McGonagall. She recognizes it in herself a couple of chapters ago when they're talking in the Three Broomsticks mm-hmm. about Peter Pettigrew, yeah. And she's like, "Oh, I was very harsh with him. I regret that now." Yeah. She has those moments where she reflects on how she has been, yeah, and is like, "Oh, that was probably not the best." Yeah. I think maybe in book five she looks at how Umbridge is treating people and goes, "Ooh, I've kind of said some similar things about her. That's not necessarily accurate." Or fair.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then she kind of steps in between them.
1: We do see a softer side to her to book five.
0: Yes. Um, yeah, McGonagall takes more of a motherly yeah. role because.
1: Yeah. You know. The whole scene was- Harry thinks that she's going to yell at him, but she offers him a biscuit. I mean, there's right. definitely some... There's more humanity that I think gets McGonagall's a right.
0: great character. I yeah. I love McGonagall for many, many different reasons. Uh, I've just kind of looked at some of the things she's said and she's done, and I'm just like, what are you doing? You're not, you're not a 13-year-old. You're not like Ron or Hermione that get excuses. In, you're a little older. <laughs> in,
1: in McGonagall's defense, I do think some of the things that she's mentioned about trelawney do have merit right like when they come from their first divination class and they're all really depressed and she turns into a cat no one's doing anything to really that's more of
0: her being quote-unquote catty because she did something spectacular and no one's paying attention to me because you're worried about another class but
1: on the flip side of it if every year your class came in and they were all really depressed because they thought someone was going to die that's got to be rough on your kids like i would be upset if someone told, if sure. I'm not a teacher, but if if someone, if I had a classroom and, and every year someone came in and they were upset because they thought that they were going to die at some point, I'd get frustrated too. Like, stop telling the kids that someone's going to die. That's not, we were just talking before we started recording this about it, there's no therapy and surgery. Yeah.
0: You you also made a mention, though, that Dumbledore seems to be a very hands-off headmaster.
1: Oh, my God, he is. And oh, his, just
0: letting oh. his professors do whatever they want. Like, there's no oversight with Hagrid's hippogriff no. thing. There's no oversight with Trelawney telling kids they're going to die every, you know, first lesson of their third right. year. There's no oversight with Snape being very malicious to Neville.
1: Snape needs... So it, much more supervision seems, than what he is. It seems passing. to
0: be a running trend, though. Like, you can yeah. point to a couple of different teachers and be like, is what you're doing really, like, appropriate? Like, you could probably point out half the, the professors right. and be like, that's a little inappropriate. Or, like, what McGonagall says to Trelawney in public. Dumbler's going to be like, hey, I get that you guys aren't on the same page here. You can't say that in front right. of students. Right. You just can't.
1: No, 100%. She's in the wrong there. So
0: there's, sure. like... And again, you could probably point to half of the professors that he's yeah. had, and they have their own little issues. Yeah, uh, it's an interestingly
1: yeah. run school, I will say. I feel like maybe
0: it's a little uh, Miss Frizzle vibe. Yeah, from, yeah, Magic School Bus. But
1: like not always in a good way.
0: Yes, uh, chaotic. But you know, when when people almost do die at the school,
1: when when Moody turns malpoint into a ferret it's mcgonagall that yells at him we don't even know we don't even see dumbledore's reaction to it
0: no dumbledore is just having fun at his christmas parties putting the vulture hat on being like what's the (laughs) problem everybody let's party yeah
1: Um, Yeah. maybe you know if he were a bit more hands-on but that is to be fair to dumbledore but not really fair to dumbledore but to his characterization he is very hands-off he doesn't tell Harry a lot That's of true. things that are going on. Well, he's got he is, other really issues. To, I mean, yeah. literally,
0: they talk about him being called by the ministry every other right. day right. and him having other issues yeah. in the world that he's got to address.
1: But occasionally you might want to make sure that your teachers aren't, like, abusing children.
0: I just get the vibe, though, that, that now, in the wizarding world, teachers seem to be a very respected, very highly regarded profession. Yes. And... Maybe part of it is, oh, you have this job. Uh, you should do your job, like you, you know, you know what I mean. You, like you're the expert in your field. Yeah. Do with it what you will. So
1: you get to call the shots of how you.
0: Kinda, do it. yeah.
1: I, I, you know what I mean. I'm all for that. I'm not a fan of like bureaucracy, with things. But I feel like maybe there should be some sort of review process where like. If you're berating children because their cauldron melted, that's, like, probably not good for anyone.
0: Uh, yeah. Can you imagine if the students, like, reviewed teachers? But then that gets messy with, like, house alignments and yeah. people can get, like, you know. Yeah. You, then you'd have to cipher through what's, like, what's legit and what's just the kids saying whatever they want to say. Right. There's a whole lot of that. And then the parents are probably like, yeah, we did it, so you can do it, too. Like, we put up with them, all of that. Right. You're fine. Don't <laughs> like, worry
1: about the fact that a quarter of us turned out to be blood purists. This is fine. So one other thing that I thought of um, that I also want to touch on because we mentioned it but we didn't really go into it, although we did exchange a look when we said it, was in this chapter Snape is boring into
0: Harry. Mm -hmm.
1: Staring him down. And again, we've heard Harry describe Dumbledore like he's got very piercing eyes, he's looking at him very deeply, and then we've also heard him describe Snape like that. I don't necessarily think that snape was reading his mind but it definitely creates a lot of parallels is maybe the wrong word it alludes to it strongly right like he's said before he feels like dumbledore is staring at him very deeply and he gets the impression that he's reading his mind and then you you have little things where because i thought it was interesting that she specifically mentioned that snape was just staring very deeply at him so part of me is thinking he probably wasn't necessarily reading his mind But he was probably thinking about it.
0: Yeah, I think it's like, um, I think she writes it almost as like just waiting for a tell. Like you're looking for them to blink, look to the side, Some, some tell that they're not telling the truth. Yeah. That's how she writes it. But obviously later on we learn more in depth about Legilimens and what is involved in that that's an aggressive form like he's like attacking your mind almost
1: and harry would have noticed if that were the case yeah you do feel that to a degree but i just thought it was interesting that the two people that she described as being very piercing with their stares are the two people that we find out
0: they're very good at that that very well right they're very good at that Um, skill both of them
1: yeah Um, because you very rarely see her describe like mcgonagall as at least I can't recall a time up to this point. It's a
0: stern look. Right, exactly. Looks. Stern
1: is always how she describes McGatical. Yeah. Like the the deep staring the unsettlingly deep staring. No,
0: it's a it's a talent that they both share. Yes. That isn't a super common talent. Um I mean to be that good at it is really hard. Yeah. But um No, they're they're quite special with it.
1: Yeah. They are. But yeah, it is
0: interesting how
1: yeah. The word choice, I thought, was
0: she drops those nuggets in, yeah, very smoothly. Yeah, and it's again, it's a, like a detail that's there, and then just throw, them. and then you like reread it on like your third or fourth reread, and you're like, right. oh, that's yeah. interesting.
1: She's very good at setting things up like that and making it feel inconsequential, and then you come back and you think of something later that it references or alludes to, or yeah,
0: and we we had that discussion like, is it something that she knew, right? she was going to set up later or is it something that uh she went back to and was like yeah i'm gonna pull that yeah things like the put outer i think she looked back on and pulled it yeah this she might have been setting up um you know
1: yeah it seemed like she had an idea of where she was going with the marauders in this as well like longer term because she just she she does start to drop
0: yeah, information like wouldn't that. you love like a Marauders series or a prequel or something like oh, that? Oh, it would be so good. It'd be fascinating. But I don't know that we're ever going to get that.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, not great news for the franchise with Fantastic be- Beasts. Yeah, that cars. did not do well.
0: No, I don't think it even made a hundred million dollars domestically, which is not a good Oof. sign. No, not a good sign. So
1: And it's funny, too, because I had read... I haven't seen the last two, but I had read that that one got better reviews than the second one.
0: Yeah, the second... Well, yeah. My review of it was basically, like, mm-hmm. every fault that I have with the third movie was because of what they did in the second movie, ah, so okay. I can't really necessarily fault it on its own. It's okay. more going back to what I didn't like about Crimes mm-hmm. of Vanderbilt.
1: As long as we all just continue to collectively pretend that Cursed Child didn't happen, I'm
0: okay. Did you actually read that, the... Mm-hmm. Did
1: you? I did. I heard it was really good as a play. I heard the people. It's who much saw different it, as a
0: play than as the, the Did you see it as a play? I have not. Anna okay. did. Anna has seen it and she's reported that back like the book not as great. Yeah. The I've, play was good.
1: I had heard that a lot when it when it came out.
0: I don't know what the demon train lady would Jolly come lady? out. Yeah, that was That was interesting. A revelation. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know how that translates yeah. on stage, but yeah, it was it was interesting. Yeah, um, I choose not to believe that in my headcanon.
1: Yeah, me neither.
0: As much as I loved the different uh, Cedric Diggory iterations. Yeah. Like Order of the Phoenix, Cedric Diggory, Death Eater, Cedric Diggory, and like like the different like multiverse. Of... I thought
1: the multiverse aspect of it was pretty cool. It was
0: yeah, it was interesting.
1: Yeah, like I, I thought those things were interesting, but I just didn't like the before and after, I guess. Because I didn't like the details that existed when they weren't time traveling, I don't even know if they technically did time traveling right. I didn't think that much about it, but
0: I have to. I read it when it first came out, and I haven't read it since.
1: Death Eater Cedric Diggory was what I remember being the better part of it.
0: It was an interesting twist for yep. sure, yep. and I'm I'm a big Cedric guy. So if you couldn't tell through the first couple of mentions of Cedric, <laughs> but we'll get more of him in book four. It's yep. all good. But uh, yeah, anything else?
1: Uh no, I think that's all I got.
0: Cool. All right. Well Thank
1: you uh for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Finally. We've got know. you on here finally. Yes. But uh um, times the charm. We'll get you on here again. It's all good so especially for uh, it won't be a long we're not going to have you on just for book six we'll have you on much earlier than book six I
1: hope so Yes,
0: but we'll have you on a lot for book six awesome
1: that would be great
0: Anyway, we'll wrap it up here thank you guys for listening let us know if uh, you have any comments on all the things that Jen and I talked about today post it on Twitter, Instagram you can leave us a voice message on Anchor, and we'll put it into the episode. That's something that we've discovered recently. Oh, nice! Yeah. So if you leave us a voice message there, we'll kind of uh, add it into the episode, and we can kind of talk about your your comment or your thought. So if you have anything on, you know, Lupin, Snape, Harry, it's all good. Let us know. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast.